0: spend more time with you i'm gonna also right now apologize for this morning we were like flushed out like a covey of quail this morning uh but debbie had uh and i had to sort of help with this but we have a, a niece that is about to have a uh, baby in october and they had a baby shower she lives in nashville she had come down for the weekend she watched the tide roll last night with us and then and war eagle to you guys Amen. So I'm I'm good. So, so I'm about to lose y'all. Stay with me. I'm gonna preach in just a second. Uh, but we ran back because it started at two o'clock, and we were like, dead "I mean, so uh, Dr. K, K I, I got in trouble. I mean, she went out the door, and me and you got to talking in here. And then I look around, she's standing in the door. I'm like, "Oh, you're not that important. I'll see you. And guess what? When I went out the door your wives debbie looked your wife said guess who he is talking to <laughs> so anyway uh we 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 had a great time they had a great turnout uh ashley's uh just precious to us and uh it's her brother that we will actually go uh, and participate in a wedding uh, in in on October the 18th. We'll be out that Sunday because the 17th, he's getting married. He's on staff in a church in Tucson, Arizona. i never been to Arizona, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I'm excited about it. I get to go over there. Is that where they paint the grass green? That's I mean, it's so hot over there. No, no oh, okay. No, you think I'm kidding. Really? You know, I, I'm, I'm straight up. It's so hot out there in some of those places. I have to paint the grass. That's right. Well, maybe I've just listened to the wrong people talking. Maybe that's a story. Okay, let's get going. I sort of like the idea of painted grass. You don't have to mow it then, just put a fresh coat on it. Okay. Our mission, Evangel's mission, is what? It's loving people. Say loving people. Okay. So, whoever you are and wherever your journey's taking, you rest assured you'll be loved, valued, and encouraged. Here through a connection with God and one another. Amen. Just want to remind us our mission is what? It's to love folks. Amen. I said, Love one another when you're going out the door. Love each other. You, I'm serious. Love each other. Look, if, if there ain't no love in here, they, they, you know, people in trouble. Amen. If we don't love each other, if we're not loving one another, if we're not fulfilling the command, then goodness gracious. We, we missed the whole purpose of being a church because people ought to come in and feel the love that's that is we if debbie and i've done one thing in ministry throughout our ministry we've stressed look we gotta love each other we can disagree with one another but we better do it in love amen we can bring correction but it better be in love uh and i know y'all look at me and think i bet he struggles with that i do <laughs> No, maybe not that bad but I'm just saying there's times when I correct folks don't think I'm loving but I do I do I love you enough to tell you you're wrong yeah. amen so I'm gonna start off we're gonna go back to what your what <laughs> what does your plan look like uh, thank you dr. K for sharing that y'all had a long discussion about y'all's plans <laughs> and the ones that worked, didn't work I mean we all got plans that we, we all have we have plan we all have plan and more so we probably all could get up and tell stories that don't didn't work, you know these these opportunities these things that we go, oh, this is man, this is awesome, this is gonna be something God'll use, <laughs> man, oh man, I've got some of those um uh so rather than talk so I guess the question I would raise first is does does your plan include living a life of purpose because we talked freedom this morning. We need to talk purpose because once you come to Christ and you experience the freedom that you get through Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the, the the release of the guilty conscience that haunts us at night, that makes us wonder what what chance there is for us. Once we experience the forgiveness and the cleansing and the rest, the, the regeneration, the scriptures talks about, we're regenerated all of a sudden. I'm tr- I made new in Christ Jesus. Once we get that what what's beyond that? I mean what what is it to live a life of purpose? What is it to how does my plan look whenever it comes down to living a life of purpose? So um I I I you guys I read some. I'm not the most avid reader, but I read some, but I like to read things. I'm 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 not a autobiography reader i'm a four pillars of a man's heart uh wild at heart i'm i'm a guy who reads the books that talk about that are topical they talk about why i do what i do when i do it i'm i I like to try to understand myself and understand others um so i was reading some stories uh, uh, about people who had lived through the collapse of the world trade center towers okay and um one of those stories was about a, a guy, they called him a mysterious guy, so this was interesting to me when I got into it and started reading it, um, who the survivors of the South Towers said that, they, that he led them to safety, and there were multiple people from the South Towers that talked about him, that said, this guy said, hey, follow me, come this way, I know the way out, and he would lead them to safety. And no one knew who he was, but what they all, every one of them, pointed to or remembered about him was the same, and that was that he had he had wrapped over his mouth and nose a red bandana. So that's all they knew about him. We just know he had a red bandana. They could tell about what all happened to them. They couldn't tell who he was. They couldn't tell who he couldn't tell who he was uh, by face or anything. But they knew the red bandana. For 56 minutes, this guy in the red bandana shouted orders and led people to safety. I found the stairs, follow me, he'd tell people. He carried one woman down 17 flights of stairs on his back till he found someone who could help her get down. Then he headed back up. One badly injured woman waited for help, waiting for help, saw him as he ran across the room. Follow me, he said. I know the way out. I'll lead you to safety. As soon as they were headed down and she was moving towards safety, he disappeared back into the smoke. He was never seen again. So, you know, when I first was reading the story, I was like, dude, that was an angel. That's awesome, right? And to those that it happened for, they were, I mean, he was angelic. I mean, he was, he was, he was a hero. But So, so I'm going to give you another rest of the story, if I can. Uh, six months later, on March the 18th, March the 19th, actually, 2002, the body of a man with a red bandana was found intact along firefighters in the makeshift command center in the South Tower Lobby, buried under 110 stories of rubble. His name was Wells Crother. In high school, he was a kid who fed the puck to the worst player, hoping he'd score. He was a junior volunteer firefighter in upper New York following in his dad's footsteps. He graduated from Boston College where he played lacrosse and always wore his trademark red bandana. His dad had also carried and wore a blue bandana whenever he played, fall fires. After college he worked as an equities trader on the eighth floor, uh, I'm sorry, on the 104th floor uh, of the South Tower. He had a habit of putting change in his pocket in the morning to give to the street people on his way to work. Not long long before September the 11th, Wells told his father this, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this work. He was restless for more. Crunching numbers just didn't seem like what he was born to do. He dreamed of becoming a firefighter, a public servant. On September the 11th, 2001, at the age of 24, Wells Crother became both. He also became a hero because he was willing to go up while everyone else was coming down. You know, there's stories about people. There's so many stories. Yeah, you know you have a story, by the way. We all have a story. So it doesn't compare to that. Well, what's your plan? I mean, for you to live a life of purpose, there's got to be something deep inside that makes you yearn to do more. What is the more? What is it God has put in you that makes you restless? That makes you wonder, It makes you think. So often we, we we feed those thoughts with regret because we look back and say, oh, but, you know, this happened, this happened. Forget that. That's under the blood. In the name of Jesus, tonight, that's under the blood. You've been redeemed. And you've been redeemed for purpose, on purpose. So we know that we were created to lead powerful transform lives by Christ but what happens when something blocks us from experiencing this because I think that's the struggle we're talking about we feel like we should do more Crother, this Wells thought I, I, there's something more he wanted to do something different he was in a spot but it turned out he was where he is supposed to be for what he was supposed to be John 10, 10 makes this statement. It's a verse that you'll probably know. It says, the thief's purpose. So so see, we know, according to the scripture, that there is a thing called purpose. And we know, according to the scripture, that as it was read earlier, that there is purpose for us when Dr. Case spoke of that purpose. And then we see that there's a real enemy out there, and he's got a purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. God said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or a life to the full, one translation says. A life to the full. What would What would that be? A life to the full. I mean, we can just start talking and imagining all kinds of stuff. But does it have anything to do what we would talk about, about the purpose? Because the purpose doesn't have to be something... When we say rich and satisfying, we're just talking about going to bed every night, feeling like we've accomplished something. There was a lady in our church, Louise Mask. Miss Louise lived a long life. She was in her 90s when she passed. Uh, She was in her late 70s when we got to the church, mid-70s. And Debbie and I had moved into a house. We moved a few times. Anyway, a lot of my references have to do with our moves. I'll do that tonight before this service is over. Anyway, uh, we had moved into a house, and we were doing. It was a. It was. It was a house that some people we knew had bought. No, had bought, and we were helping do a little remodel on it. We were good at that. We should have been buying and remodeling houses. I'm thinking back. We had. We should have had a better plan. Anyway. Um, so we were doing this remodel and they were letting us stay there gonna let us stay there and so we 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 was doing work on it and we it was i don't know second third day we're there and i said miss louise comes driving in i mean miss louise soaking wet with a lot of clothes on didn't weigh 90 pounds i mean she was a tiny little lady so so um What's my word? She was a little southern belle. She was so perfect in everything that she did how she talked, how she dressed, how she did her hair. She just, and she got out, she got a bag out, and she walked over. She said, I brought y'all some sandwiches. I mean, my first thought was, how many is in there? I got to eat a bunch of sandwiches. (laughs) I said, Thank you, Miss Louise. Thank you. And I mean, we were young at this time, right? That was a long time ago. That was like 20, 20, oh, Jesus, 28 years ago. So she leaves it, and we start talking with her, and she makes this statement. She said, I don't feel like I've accomplished my purpose if I don't serve somebody every day. And I said, write us in the calendar. Just put us in (laughs) hallelujah i eat sandwiches every day so i can remember going by her house and y'all it would be so hot in that house and in, in the summer and the winter she ran her heat in august i mean it would be so hot and i'd go in there and i would just start sweating we'd talk and visit she said are you hot <laughs> my god i'm soaking wet what do you mean? no i just perspired anyway uh but I would visit her and she'd be so sweet. She'd talk about the need the, the 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 things that she had done for people and they'd just how you know how can I serve somebody, brother? Tell me something I can do. And her purpose was to find somebody every day that she could serve something to them. And she didn't text, she didn't do emails. She was like, she would call, and give a word, to somebody, and talk to them. She would drive her, old, you know when there's something about getting older, you get bigger cars. <laughs> y'all act like I ain't being serious right now. Have you never noticed it that we're all driving these little cars and eighty fives are driving oh yeah, I'm sorry, okay, gosh, I'm really going crazy here, but she had this she had this this Plymouth that was big as the rose on the front right here, and she had backed that thing out onto that on fifty one Jesus cars would be styling. She'd drive that thing all over the place and go find somebody to serve. Barna Research says 90% of Christians, get this number now, 90% of Christians lead lukewarm, stagnant, defeated lives. That should be staggering to us, should it? So despite good intentions after we uh, walk the aisle and pray the sinner's prayer, we have a tendency. Now remember, we're talking tendency right now, and it, so I did that this morning. We, 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 we talked this morning. We talked this morning about tendencies. We, we, th- we tend to think we can control our plan. We tend to overreact when we talk about our plan. We, we tend to underestimate God's plan for us, and we tend to wait until we got our plan together before we come home. So there's tendencies that we do. So here's your tendency. We tend to resume the former life after coming to Christ. We have a tendency to go back to what we were doing. And and I mention that because we also tend, and I think this creates that thing, in us that draws us back to the, what I would call our plan. Uh, we also have a tendency to not take the next steps that are necessary to experience the joy and the passion of a life lived on purpose. So, so why? Why do we not take those steps? Because discipleship's hard, y'all. Transformation's hard. If I, get, if, I, if, I, if I read the Word of God and I apply it to my life, guess what it changes? It doesn't change the world around me. It changes me. That's hard. So I, I understand. I understand the struggle. I understand the difficulty. We lose heart. We go silent. We give up, burn out, drop out, drift away. And all I want to say to that is Satan is... The assassin of our soul. He, at, he, his. It says the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. He is the assassin of your soul, but he does it with such small incremental steps. I mean, if he, I mean, we. There's so many things. I'm gonna give you. A, I, I like to do things I call um, a fact stat. Okay, so a fact that is a stat, a statistic. So this is a fact stat. You ready? Tonight, one-third of America's 72 million children will go to bed in a house without their biological dad. On top of that, so there's more to it. It'd be easy to blame the dads, and they there is a huge responsibility on fatherhood, and I understand that. But but the we don't think about... We don't think about the trickle-down effect that things have too often. We just think it's an event and that's over. But there's, when an event happens, the things that trickle down. So watch this. On top of that, maybe the greatest cost is the social, uh, maybe the greatest cost of the social social absence of fathers is what we, what I, what I've, I heard one time called the practical absence of mothers. And so here's what that means. Because of the social absence of fathers, the mother has to take up two jobs. She has to be fa- she has to be mother and father and then she also probably has to work. And so so for the single mom now this one person has this test to work for two. And the cost of that on the children's enormous. Amen? I say all that because I want you to understand something. What do those who lead powerful, transformed lives do differently that, than those who are lukewarm in their faith? How, how does a mom who comes to Christ, and maybe she's gone through the, the trials of a divorce, and she's got children, how does she come to Christ and be transformed? When she knows she's got to walk back into that same thing. See, because, I I mean, the truth is, what I'm talking about has nothing to do with job. What I'm talking about has to do with something very powerful, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to go to a parable. It's in Matthew 13. If you've got your scripture, your Bible, you can read it. So I'm going to make a confession. We packed in February Guys, I own a Bible. I have a phone that has a Bible on it. I have an iPad that has a Bible on it. I paste and move scriptures to create my messages and all, but I actually own a physical Bible. Somewhere it exists. I will discover it in the next two weeks or one. That means we've moved. I've unloaded everything out of storage, and I've discovered my Bible. I'm excited about that. So I just want y'all to know that. I think it's important that you know that I own a physical Bible. so Because if the power goes out and I can't charge myself, I'm in trouble. So here we go. There's a parable in Matthew 13 about sowing seed. And I want to focus on the soil of the seed that's sown, but I want to read through the first 13 verses, or 3 through 13 actually, about 11 of the verses. So beginning in verse 3, it says he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. He had scattered them across his field, and some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Somebody say, ooh. You know, because that's people today. I mean, we'll stop right there for just a second and just say, you know, God is planting stuff in us. He is speaking into us. He's trying to say stuff to us. And if we're not careful, we don't. it doesn't fall on a good ear. Does it? We don't let it sink into us. It's robbed as soon as we walk out. We forget what we've looked at and heard. Or it starts growth and all of a sudden we think, We think it's okay to go do what we were doing formerly, and it's so shallow of an experience that we've walked away from something. That's not my message. I'm just explaining something. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. I'm going to give you some words here in just a minute that define these things. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. Say fertile soil. One scripture uses the verse good soul" or the the language, good soul." good soil are you good soil i'm just asking good soil fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 36 and even 100 times as much as had been planted that means that when the corn kernel fell in the ground a stock burst up the soil was rich enough and fertile enough and good enough that the stock grew to maturity And from it, let's say three beautiful ears of corn were pulled, dried, shucked, and there were 3,000 kernels then, or 900 kernels. In other words, however many kernels was on each ear became seed. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go out and save 3,000 people does mean that you could go out and save 3,000 people. Give the message to people who will hear it and receive it. So I'm just saying to you, what we recognize is, is he is illustrating to us what happens when God's word gets in us. So that's what we're going to talk about. His disciples came and asked him. Oh, wait a minute. I'll skip one. Uh, Verse 9. Anyone with ears to hear. I love that. Hey, you got an ear? Are you using it? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse ten. His disciples came and asked him, "Why do you use parables when you talk about talk to the people?" He replied, "You're permitting, you're, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not." to those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge but for those who are not listening even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them that's why I use these parables for they look but they don't really see they hear but they don't really listen or understand that's a deep powerful thought right there we could get into that a little later i'm just i'm i'm what i'm after tonight is there are four souls mentioned right here in this passage there i there's different translations that use different wording i've heard hard path i've heard rocky soil i've heard thorny ground uh, those all are represented throughout this one the same um, uh, thought process metaphors are used the same ideas and characteristics in the parables that, uh, translations that you'd find but they all point to a fertile soil a good soil um and every person wants to be good soul, right? I want to be fertile soul. I want, I want to be fertile. So, so Matthew 13, 23 calls them, the people that are fertile soul, Matthew 13, 23 calls them those who truly, those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 36 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So, so my question in reference to this is what keeps our heart hard, which is the rocky soul, shallow, which, uh, uh, sorry, hard, which was the, the path, shallow, which is the rocky soil, the under, underlying rocks under the, the dirt, or I like to use the word overcrowded. What keeps our heart hard, shallow, and overcrowded? I can tell you what keeps your plan from working. We talked about that this morning. So the question now becomes, taking it a little further, what keeps our heart from being able to accomplish a plan? Well, it's because of the condition of it. It's because of it how hard we are due to maybe the experience that we maybe 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 it's due to maybe it's due to how shallow we are we haven't applied the truths that we've heard we got ears but sometimes we don't use them right that's what he said maybe maybe it's due to maybe it's due to 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 our hearts overcrowded there's so much it. Jesus gave us some insight when he was speaking to a group of very confused religious people in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. He made this statement. He said, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. So do you hear what's being said? You, you, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. So what I would like to suggest is is Jesus made a direct connect between the Bible and leading a powerful, transformed life. So he made a direct connect right here between knowing the scripture and with that heart knowledge, knowing it personally, not just in a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, knowing it in a transforming way that. Through that knowledge, all of a sudden, you change. You're transformed. It's hard. It's hard, but you go through a transformation by it. You're you're no longer you. Jesus is in you. He shows up in everything, every decision, every thought, every word. If you don't know the scriptures, you don't know the power of God. That's what he was saying. Because the power of God functions and flows through the word of God. Jesus wasn't talking about head knowledge here. He had plenty of people with a lot of head knowledge who were hunting his head every day. I mean, they were the Sadducees and Pharisees wanted him out of the picture because he was messing up their deep state. Sorry. Transformed people truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest. The word power, say power, power, comes from the word dunamis, which means dynamite. That's right. So here he's saying this power relies, there's, a, there's this there's this fuse that ignites it, and the fuse is the word of God. It's what puts the fire to the powder. And if I don't know the word, I'm not gonna have the the power. If I if I'm not operating in that word, the God's word is powerful. It brings change when it's applied correctly. Now, these Sadducees and Pharisees he was dealing with, man, they knew it inside and out. They could quote it, they knew all that. They had no power in their life. So we're not talking head knowledge. I told people one time they got so worried. Oh, so I said, look. You don't need a devotion. You don't need a devotion. There was this group I was talking with because there was some stuff going on. I said, you don't need a devotion. Some of y'all get up and read every day, and you, you, you read it and you read it. I said, what good's it doing you? I said, you need a devoted life. Because a devoted life will put life to the devotion. But if you're just doing a devotion out of guilt, man, you're wasting your energy and time. So y'all don't take that wrong. If you get up and read your scripture every morning, I'm, I think that's awesome. I try to read my Bible every day. But I'm telling you, if it's not something that's bringing transformation to me, if I'm not reading the scripture, and then I'm not spending time to meditate on a word that's in that scripture, and I'm not working to apply that in a practical way in my life during the day, then that was, a, I mean, I'm looking in a mirror, see the mess, and walk away and don't do nothing about it. That's what the scripture says. And I'm telling y'all in the mornings, I got to do something with his hair. <laughs> he gets really flat on the back after I laid on it. There's a story of an army chaplain. He had a huge boulder in the backyard and he wanted to get rid of it. He knew a, an army explosive expert. So he asked him for help. And so the chaplain standing there, and he'd be just like me. He's standing there looking at it. I think I have more sense than him. But anyway, he's standing there looking at it, and he's got this expert with him, this, this explosive expert. And he said, I, I was going to place some dynamite on top of that rock and set it off, hoping he'd break it into pieces. What do you think? And the old explosive expert just looked at him laughed at him. He said, well, I mean, it's fine if you want to make a dark spot on top of the rock and blow all the windows out of the houses around here. I think that's fine. You go for it. Then he said, look, I can do anything with that rock you want. There's a big old boulder in his backyard. I can leave the rock intact and throw it anywhere in your backyard. He said, if you want it split in two, pulverize, just tell me what you want. I can do that. I I can design the explosive. I can create, I can shape a charge that will direct the power of the blast to do whatever you want. And I read that story that day and I thought to myself, that's the kind of power Jesus envisioned, I think. When he, when he made the statement in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, 29, your mistake is you don't know the scripture, you don't know the power of God. How are we applying God's word to our life? Are we applying it in a way that it will shape and move us in a direction on purpose? Or are we just doing it and it's just leaving a little spot? And maybe it's blowing all the windows out of everybody else's house. He had the same thought in mind, I think, when he, he said Acts eight, I think when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. I think God's word joined with the Holy Spirit create the power, the dynamite. Literally in the scripture, it calls it the spirit sword. Right? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So literally, they didn't have dynamite, so they used the most powerful weapon they could think of to relate to what the Word of God was and united with and joined to to the power of the Spirit. So all of a sudden, when those two come together, transformation happens. And John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So let me get let me get this wrapped up in a thought. Think about the hard, shallow, overcrowded condition we too often find ourselves in. I'm gonna give you one more illustration because I think it's important and I think we fail to think about this enough every day. I'm 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 a I'm I'm bad at and I've told this about myself I'm bad at situational awareness thinking that all the time I go in a restaurant I don't want to sit where I face the door and I've talked about that and all that stuff so so yeah I, I'm, I think too much about that type of stuff uh, probably but I understand that there's a difference in a predator and a prey and So I learned through National Geographic, because I've never been in the safari, but I learned and watched it enough that it taught me uh, some very important stuff about predator and prey. Uh, We all know from Nat Geo that lions don't attack a herd. They don't attack a herd. They go after strays. They wait until one wanders off from the herd. And then they creep in. You ever notice a line? You ever, can you imagine one of those like hundred and fifty pound cats crawling towards you? In that, I mean, because there's one out there creeping after you every day. Because the scripture says he's like a what? A roaring lion. So So they go after the strays. Every predator knows, every predator knows the strategic value of isolating prey, of cutting them off, of separating them, getting them singled out. Every predator. So so let me say this loud and clear. We have a predator on our trail, and his work is to isolate us. He's trying to get us separated, get us discouraged, Get us questioning. Get us in a point where that we're, we're discouraged. Get us over here to where we start walking in a state of depression and get us in a point where all of a sudden here we are separated from the herd, separated from the crowd, separated from the church, separated from the people who are on mission, which our mission is to love people. We've been saying that. So if he can get us out there all by ourselves, what can he do? I'll tell you what he can do. He'll tell you this. He'll say it, it's a bad idea to connect with them. Don't worry about them. They don't. They don't love you. You don't need them. I wouldn't mention. I wouldn't mention what you're going through. He, he, and he'll just lie and lie and lie and lie and 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 separate and isolate until all of a sudden, remember, he's a predator that wants to devour you. I'm going to give you a few verses that won't come up on the screen because they're just short clips. I mean, Philippians 1.30 says, we are in the struggle together. Say amen. Galatians 6.2 says, share with each other's burdens. Look, look, I'm going to stop right there and just say, all I'm getting to is this. Look, the transformed life happens through the power of God's word. That's that. His word, His the, knowing the scriptures brings the power of God. But where do you learn them? Where do you connect with them? Where do you experience this? It's in here. It's together. Yes, you go. We need devotion time. We need quiet time. We need to draw close to him. We need to do it, do it daily. But, man, look, boy, I, I'm not leaving the herd. I'm not going to get out there. I'm not going to let him lie to me because he'd love to lie to me. He'd love to get me to thinking people talk about me. I already know they talk about me. You know it. I mean, that's no news for any of us. People are going to talk about you. We can't worry about what other people, because he, he'll lie, he'll, he'll lie, he'll say stuff, and suddenly we'll be out there not sharing with each other's burdens, not struggling together. We'll, we'll find ourselves, listen, Hebrews 10, I'm going to give you two verses, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look, the whole thing that we ought to do this week, like Miss Louise would do, is figure out a way to serve somebody. Think of a way that we that we motivate one another to love and good works. Acts of love and good works. Acts of love and good works. What is that? Hey, what's happening? Hey, thinking about you. Hey, I see you've been struggling. How do you know? Because you've been pasting all over Facebook, dude. What do you mean while I know? Amen. Look, it don't take you don't have to be Hardly led of the Spirit anymore to figure out who you can minister to. All you gotta do is open Facebook. Oh, somebody now I'm meddling, ain't I? Okay, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> and let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Look, that was that was pinned by the writer of Hebrews just after in the in the like the in the first few years after the death of Christ they believe the writer was Paul and yet he was saying Christ is coming back Christ is coming back his he's, man his return is near it's been a couple of thousand years that makes me think it's even nearer than it was then, don't you? It doesn't make me think, well, it's delayed; he's not coming. It makes me think, woo, 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 if he thought it was, man, and what does the scripture say? A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. So, man, I'm telling you, if resurrection has any reference to the return of Christ, then in three days, that's three. We're 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 in the dawn of a moment in which Christ could return. We're closer than it's ever been. Let me say this. Christianity is a heart transformation. It is not a behavior modification. It's a heart transformation. I got to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Father. That's, That's the work that we're talking about. Don't copy. The scripture says don't copy in Romans 12 two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So that's literally saying to us, look, you, you've come to Christ. You've been regenerated. You're a new creation. Now, don't go back to the way you were. Don't. Don't copy the behavior and customer, but let God transform you into a new person by change the way you think. I mean, here it is, folks. The word transformed in the New Testament is where we get our word metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis. I, I'm, I'm transformed. i peel out of the old and come alive in him. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Where does it begin? I got I to start thinking the thoughts of God. I got to start thinking his word. I got to start thinking the way he thinks. The reason we live hard, shallow, overcrowded lives is we're trying to solve the wrong problem. The reason we live hard, shallow, crowded lives because we're trying to solve the wrong problem. We think if I just man up, I just man up, and do the right things, everything will be okay. I'll just I'll just spend an extra 15 minutes in devotion in the morning. I'm gonna fast next week. I've done three 40 day fasts. And you know what happens at the end of every one of those? I'm a snivelling mess, a wreck, you say, well, I don't you fast to get strong? Ah, man, fasting crushes me. It crushes me because I see so much of me through a fast that I go, oh, God, have mercy. Have mercy. So I, I I'm just saying to you. Manning up's not the answer. Surrender's the answer. Luke 6 45. Look at what this one says. This is the last verse. A good person. Let's use the word good soul. Good soul produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I'm going to give you another verse. I'm going to read to you from another translation. I think this is amplified, but listen. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up. So we're talking about Hard, shallow, or overcrowded space that seed is sown. Or we're talking about fertile. It says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of in this translation. Y'all know we've bought a house and we're getting ready to move into it again. And in the past, we've moved when we've moved, just to give you this thought. In the past when we moved, Debbie and I are pretty good. We're not hoarders. And if you are, please don't take offense to that. We're not. So every time we move, we sort of filter through everything and we get rid of stuff. Uh, My phrase is, if we hadn't used it in six months, we don't need to have it. Uh, We don't live by that. We're close. But so. But we're we're close. Uh, She's pointed to some guns I hadn't taken to the woods in six months. So. need your guns no matter how old they are um, so it's easy everybody calm down don't encourage this I'm openly confessing to you I'm sharing my burden with you right now please do not take advantage of this so yeah so uh, so we filter through our stuff we go through our stuff so we'll keep stuff we'll, man the beauty of a move is yard sale yeah so we don't show you I'm giving you an idea <laughs> beauty of the moves yard sale we store up, store up. I got all kinds of little bags that have yards of yard sale so we're gonna do a big yard sale now here's my commitment to yard sale my commitment to yard sale is this at the end at 12 to 2 o'clock somewhere in that window it's all going in the truck and going to Goodwill or to vapor or to somebody it ain't going in storage it ain't never gonna see yard sale on my property again it's gone So we contact two or three people that we know in the community, and it's always people whose husband won't help them, so I always have to help go get their stuff. That's another beef that I have. But anyway, we won't talk about it. So we always... So we always contact people. I had to go get nineteen tables and set them up because Debbie invites everybody. Anyway, so we get we do this big yard sale. We have all these people who come and end up buying stuff and all. And man, I start getting a little antsy about twelve o'clock. And Debbie can see it. I start. Oh, there ain't been nobody here in ten minutes. <laughs> there ain't been nobody here in fifteen. If it hits thirty, I'm loading. I'm loading. So it's an interesting event. Y'all should come and watch it happen one day. And so, buddy, then I start loading. She'll say. Call the boys. They'll help. They hate yard sales. My kids will my kids will throw stuff in the trash when they get older to avoid a yard sale because of anyway. um, I say all that to say, in the past when we've moved, we've always used as an opportunity to clean out stuff we haven't used, don't need, haven't haven't got room for anymore. Mainly because we don't want to pay storage. Amen? You know, we don't have any place to put it. And all I want to ask you tonight is this. Do you have a storage unit in your inside you? Have you stored up some stuff that you really should get rid of? Cuz that's probably creating some hard it may affect you as far as depth and make you shallow even cause what we know is overcrowding. Did you know there? we can be hoarders of thoughts and hurt and pain? We can limit God from doing in us the things that he's trying to do because we won't let go of stuff. We won't clean out. What's keeping you from doing whatever it is that God's got planned for? What's cluttering up the space in your heart that should be filled with God's word, his power? What's what's your heart full of today? That's the question. What's your heart full of? And will you let God transform you from the inside out? That's his will. That's his will. That's his plan. It's to make you new from the inside out. We just, we just need to go through it. If somebody's hurt you in the past, this is a good night. to Just sort of take a minute. We're going to have some prayer. Just go into that and just get that box. Open it up. Pull it out before the Lord and say, you know what? I will live and not die. to let this plant a root of bitterness in me. Getting rid of that. Throw it on the altar. Surrender it to him. If you if your plan looked different than God's and something unexpected happened and now you're sitting on the sideline all uh, cross-armed staring like a spectator and God's called you to participate Maybe it's time you uncross your arms. If y'all see me do this, know that I'll get in trouble for it. Thank you. I just changed Gary's position. No. (laughs) Because you know what this means? This means prove it. You know, body language is real. Do you know we do that to God? We'll sit in the pew and say, you prove it. You prove it. Don't act like he can. <laughs> if I need to go back to this morning and talk about how he'll do the unexpected and mess up your plan, I can do it. Listen, I know, I know, I I know some of y'all, I, that, was, that message this morning, it, it, well, they, some folks didn't come back. But anyway, uh, I know. I know it's it's a, it's a strong word, but it's a fact. We'll get we we'll, we'll take our plans and think we got it all figured out and end up finding ourselves in the mess trouble. And sometimes that causes us to get hard. Prove it. I don't know what it is that you deal with or what you are dealing with. All I know is this you don't have to. Man. Loves us so much, and He wants to show that love to us. He loves us so much, and He has purpose for you. I mean, we could talk about the all the people that you know. Look, I I I believe we all have a sphere of influence. I believe we all have a a a sphere of influence, a, a circle of friends, and a circle of acquaintances. Some we know well, some we don't. Some are we're in deep relationship some we're just our acquaintances with them but all those people are there for a purpose and that's so that we'll let our light so shine before men that they'll see our good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven that's what Matthew 5 tells us hey you may get persecuted you may go through hard times there may be trouble because of it but listen so persecuted they the prophets which were before you that's what the scripture says So so don't don't get discouraged. Just let your light shine. Guess what? Will you sing a song about hiding on the bushel? No, I'm gonna let it shine. See, the bushel can be the hard, it can be the shallow, and it can be the overcrowded. It can snuff our light out. So we wanna make sure we get rid of all that so that we're ready to be used. We're fertile. God can do in us what he wants to do. 30, 60, 100 times. Amen. Amen. What does your plan look like? Y'all, if you're comfortable crossing your arms like this, don't stop doing that. There you go. Yeah, he crossed his arm, right? <laughs> John, that was like, he's got his arm, it's really weird. Could you get him cross his arm? No, 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 <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Father, you are so good to us. Your love is so powerful. We see in the scripture that the, the, the the your love and the power of your love expressed in 1 Corinthians 13 is just i mean it's 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 beyond a word i can come up with or express you said it you described it you 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 formed it and you you even said that of all of all of the things that are there love is the most powerful it's the most life changing so god I, I guess tonight for all of us, what we need to do is we just need to let you love us from the inside out. We just need to allow you to love us where we are, who we are. In the mess we're in, we just need to let you love us. Cause you, you I'm thankful for Zach singing the song tonight that Clearly showed us you run after us, you're running to us, you're running to us, Lord. You're the you're the father to the prodigal. You're 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 the father that has expressed to us a love that is indescribable. And it's gone the distance for us, even while we were yet sinners. You sent your son Christ to die for us. So, God, we just take a minute tonight. We take a moment in the close of this service. We just take some time right now, right where we're sitting, and we just open our hearts up to you. If Christianity is heart transformation and not not, um, behavior modification, then it's not about how I'm acting. It's about what's causing me to act. It's about what's in my heart. Scripture made it clear that the mouth only pours out what the heart's full of. So Lord, we just open our hearts before you tonight. We specifically ask you to soften the hardness of those things that we've held on to that's made that's hurt us, that's made us uh, bristle up, that's caused us to 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 sort of distance ourselves from people around us, and 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 I know I know. I know there are people in this sanctuary right now that's probably had things said about them or that's that's been hurt by others and their words and their actions. God, you're bigger than that. So we invite you into that hard spot in us and ask you to just heal that. Heal that place, that hurt, that We specifically ask you, Lord, in those places in us where we have um, we we've, we we've, we've not we've not worked like we should. We've not invested like we should. We're not. The, the better word is, Lord. We didn't use our ears to hear, to understand, and so we're shallow. We're, we're just not. We're just not. We're not. We've not allowed the word of God to bring transformation in certain areas of our life. And what started has now wilted. We started doing something in ministry, but we've wilted in that now. We're just sort of sitting on the sideline. God, let your word shape that area. I pray your word will blast those rocks into... Turn the hard, turn the, the rocky, turn, turn it into fertile soul. Do whatever's necessary to create in us a right heart. Think of David in his prayer in Psalm 51. He said, Create in me, create in me a, a, a right heart heart that is yielded to you, God, then I'll show sinners the way. (laughs) Maybe that explains the 90%. Maybe that explains the 90%, Lord. We're letting this hard, shallow, overcrowded heart that we have keep us from letting our light shine. So we rebuke that in the name. We surrender our hearts before you. We offer to you who we are, what we have, all of ourself, all of ourselves, our relationships, our job, our money, our time. Even our prayers, God, transform us even in our prayers to listen and not just talk, to give an ear to what you would say and not reject it. things, God, knowing that you love us, that you want to show your love to us. In Jesus' name. Be your name, hey, just right where you are, I just want you to thank him for transformation. Just however that looks for you to just give him thanks and praise for transforming you from the inside out, for the opportunity to take on his plan and to let go of your plan just however that feels to you, however that looks to you, just take this moment right now and just begin to just love him and express that love to him and that thanks to him. Show your gratefulness to him right now. Father, we just bless you and we magnify you, Lord. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach your word. It's a call on my life. It's an opportunity for me to surrender who I am to you and to be used by you, God. I'm so grateful so thankful for the chance to do it at Evangel, Assembly of God in Mount Olive. I'm so thankful for those who have ears to hear as they gather and come Sunday morning, this morning, tonight. Lord, it's not my words. It's your words. There's nothing eloquent about me. There's only a heart and a desire to, to, to try to bring a word that you give me in a way that people can hear it. And I know, God, I get in the way so many times, but I'm so thankful even in... In that that you use it, and that you speak to hearts and lives, and that you bring transformation, God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. I pray. I know that that's a, that's a struggle within Brother Jerry right now, and I pray for him physically and and emotionally and spiritually. Lord, I know he's given his life to preaching the gospel, and he's battling this this sickness. And God, I know that there's this moment that he's he's in that's, that's got so many questions and such a struggle in him, God. And I just pray peace, the peace that we prayed for this morning, that it invades his home and it invades his heart, that he feels the peace of God that passes understanding, that creates in him the ability to rise and to respond to you and to what you're calling him to do, Lord. Make him whole again, Jesus. I just pray that over Miss Mary also and I pray that over this board. God, these guys have given themselves totally to to the functionality of this church and to trying to make sure all of the volunteers. I think of those who are sitting in a place right now where they're doing something from the slides to the sound to the children to our youth to to uh, just across the board for the secretaries and Uh, The people who are serving in the nursery, God, everyone, our musicians and singers, everyone, those who come and do the security and walk around the grounds, everyone, uh, everyone who who is taking a step out to do something for the kingdom of God at Evangel. God, I praise you and I thank you for their life and what they represent, their heart to serve, their want to make sure that the gospel is preached in this place. that that gospel has the power to transform the lives of those who walk into it. God, that's why we do it. We don't do it for show. We don't do it for pay. We don't do it so that our name gets on a bulletin or on the screen out front. We don't do it for any of that. Lord, every person who's here that's given anything in themselves, we're doing it because we believe you've placed us here and your plan is that we find our place to serve you. And God, because of that, these doors are open, the lights are on, the parking lot is paved, the grass is cut. This, this church is a witness to this community of excellence, of purpose. And for that purpose, we salute and celebrate you because you have made it possible through these people.